Restorative justice, restorative practices. How does it really work in schools? Or how can a business leader address conflict and culture issues within their company? We've been implementing and training restorative practices for over 10 years. We invite you to join us in discussion around classroom and community circles, conferences, and implementation strategies. Just like you, we live this every day and always strive for what's best for students, staff, and communities. We are the RJ Solution. Join us for an entertaining and informative podcast. Okay, welcome once again um, to a special edition of the RJ Solution Restorative Practices. Today joining us is the absolutely outstanding Kirk Henwin, and we've really been looking forward to talking to you, Kirk. So I'm just going to start off by asking you what has been your uh, journey and experience with restorative practices? Great. Thank you, Jen. Um, yeah, so I, you know, when I think back of how I started and got into restorative practices, I, I remember a time as a middle school principal that we had a, a high-flying kid who, you know, was well-known in the office and um, got sent to the office. I don't remember why. Um, and I had stepped out to meet him halfway. And as I was walking into my office with him, um, the my secretary um, came up to me and said, hey, Mrs. So-and-so, the, the student's mom, was on the phone and she was just livid and she was screaming and she was um, explaining to the secretary how there was absolutely no way in hell that her son was going to get suspended for whatever behavior and that she needed to talk to me before I needed to talk to her kid. Um, and I remember thinking to myself, how is it possible that the mom is already calling me for a behavior incident that I know absolutely nothing about? Um, and that was one of those turning points for me. Um, it was a long time ago, but kids still had, you know, kind of the flip phone and the kid had um, called his mom between the classroom and, and the office, told her that he was getting sent to the office again, of course, gave his version of the story. Um, and then I ended up getting the wrath of the mom. And so as I was reflecting on that, I thought there's got to be a better way to be doing this because I don't want to be fighting with a bunch of moms. Um, and what it came down to was what what's the kids role in this? And how, you know, because suddenly mom's fighting with me and you've got two adults fighting about a student's behavior. And it took us hours if we even ever got to, can we just talk about the behavior that the student exhibited? And I don't even remember what it was anymore, but I do remember that moment of thinking there's gotta be a better way because we've got so many parents that don't believe, don't trust. Um, school officials anymore and, and I'm tired of fighting with them. So that's where it started and I started looking for some different options and, and different ways of doing uh, discipline and learning and things like that and, and um, I stumbled upon restorative uh, justice, restorative practices a long, long time ago, saw it at a conference or somewhere, did some research and I ended up bringing it into Montrose a couple of years I don't know if you remember this, but it was a couple of years before I met you guys. And I remember our administrators were like, yeah, this looks okay, but like, isn't what we're doing now working fine? And so, you know, we sort of dabbled in it and, and they were like, yeah, we should probably do this sometime. And then it just died on the vine. Um, you know, fast forward a couple of years later, 
we were, I, I had moved to the district office. Um, we had a lot of kind of just various discipline events occurring. And my, my administrators were just pulling their hair out because they, because again, it came back to this, um, how can we get kids to be accountable for their actions? And how can we get their parents out of the conversation so we can just talk about discipline and about behaviors? Um, and then that's when we, we, we'd actually written a very large grant for, for doing some work around student culture and proactive culture. Um, and that's actually when we met um, you and Jen at, at the conference that we were at, that, that you guys presented at. Um, and it was interesting because I, I was really pushing my, my administrators to go to RJ breakouts. Um, and, I, you know, I don't know if you remember, but there were about five of us in your breakout. And it, and it was just it was just perfect because they sat there, they listened and they're like, we need to do this. And I'm like, yeah, we tried that a couple of years ago and it didn't work. Um, but for whatever reason, the chemistry was right. The time was right. They really liked the two of you. Um, and then we followed up afterwards and, and then we, we implemented restorative practices in 11 different schools over the next, well, we started to implement over the next 12 months. Um, and that's how you and I met. And that's, that's when I really dug in deep to restorative practices and the power of it. And so um, that was great. And, um, you know, I've since left Montrose schools, but um, when I left, you know, it was one of those things they reorganized. Anyway, we now have a person who's in charge of political, not political, um, proactive culture and climate um, and is fully trained in RJ. And that's probably 80 to 90% of her job. She's a friend of mine and we've stayed in touch and, and they've, they've got almost a full-time person dedicated to that. So that's, that's one of those things that feels good when you leave somewhere that the work continues and the schools are still doing it. So that's awesome. Well, that's a great. And that's, I think that that's a question that comes up for us a lot is, you know, what if, you know, somebody leaves, how does this continue? And that position that you, you know, had created, I think when Jen and I still were working with you guys, and then it sounds like it kind of morphed into this culture and climate position. And I can imagine that that's probably about 80% of what that person does. But, um, I think that for folks who are considering restorative practices or maybe wondering what the next step is, that that whole concept of having someone in the district dedicated to mostly that or in, in uh, I know that in Jefferson County Schools that there are a couple of people that that is all they do is restorative practices. Um, but then, I mean, it's a huge district, but still. So kind of that concept of you can implement, you know, implement with fidelity, Things can be going really well, but also making sure that no matter who comes and goes, that there is somebody overseeing the fidelity of the program, no matter what. Yeah, I think, you know, I think one of the things that schools are not very good at, quite honestly, is we're not great at, at implementation and, and fidelity and sustainability of those things. So, you know, we're always sort of looking for the next silver bullet and whatnot. And, and uh, I think, at least in my experience and, and, and my philosophy is let's let's do less and let's do it better. Um, and again, I think, it, you know, I tried to do it earlier and it, it, it didn't, we didn't get any traction, um, but I think the timing was right. Um, and, and we developed a system to ensure that we would have 
ongoing training and sustainability over time. Um, and I, and it was a philosophy that we, we embraced. Um, and I just think, you know, I think if you tried to take it away now, not that it's because it, it really is more of a philosophy of how you approach things. I, I don't think you could get people to, well, I know you, you couldn't get people to stop doing it. And, you know, I had a couple of administrators that were slow adopters and took forever. And, and I think I shared a letter with you uh, a, a few years back of, of one, one of my slow adopters, you know, finally got on board because he, he'd been dealing with these girls that had been fighting since like second grade, literally, and they were high school kids. Uh, and finally through some restorative um, conversations, some restorative conferences and just some work, they, they finally were able to come to even ground. Um, and, and he, he wouldn't go back. Like you couldn't take it away from him. I think, you know, he's a person that definitely always needs to be sharpening his saw. Cause I don't think he ever, you know, fully embraced it or didn't for many years. Um, and then once he did, he was a little behind the eight ball, but I think having a person who's, who's the cheerleader is critical, but I think, I think that shift that it really important shift is where philosophically it just becomes part of what you do as a, as an entity. Um, that's harder to do at a district level, you know, district wide than it is at a building level. Um, but much easier to do at a at a small district of 11 schools than say a district like like Jeffco. That being said, though, I think it's critical um, that uh, whatever we're doing, that people are looking at what's working for kids. And I think the old discipline model stopped doing that years ago. And so you better have a different plan because it doesn't, the old, you know, how we grew up, I hear that all the time. Well, when we grew up um, and it's like, yeah, well, it's not us anymore and the world has changed. And, you know, if, if we were farming or doing math or doing anything like we did when we grew up, we would be in the dark ages. So discipline is one of those things too. And you need to kind of get with the times. So, and RJ did that totally for us in Montrose. Good. And that's a, yeah, that's a great, that is a great point. We would be in the dark ages and typical discipline isn't working. So for those kind of, shall we say, you know, you know, when we think about implementation and buy-in and yada, 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 um, for those kind of a little bit slower adopters, it sounds like, it, would it be fair to say that you just kind of sat back and just sort of let the work uh, walk the talk in a way or, or how did in doing an implementation how did you kind of when you had people that might have been a little bit resistant or maybe didn't have quite the efficacy in it how did you work with that um well I didn't sit back and just let it happen I mean again it was a it was a district-wide implementation so that required all building principles but then they had to send or they had to have at least one other assistant principal and at least a teacher or counselor. Um, and the idea behind that was because I knew I knew I had some kind of what we would say, you know, old school kind of thinkers. Um, I knew I was going to have some people that were like, yeah, I'm, I'm not doing that. Um, but, and so along those lines, I would agree with you. So it was like, well, they're not going to adopt it. But maybe they're not doing most of the discipline in the building anyway, or they don't have the relationships with kids. So let's figure out someone else who can do that work. And then um, hopefully through, through over time and through 
you know, seeing the results, they'll buy in. And, and the, the example of the principal that I gave you that, that shared the letter that bought in um, is, is total case in point. He was dealing with issues that he didn't want to be dealing with. We shouldn't have been dealing with them. He shouldn't have been dealing with them. Um, and they were wearing him down. And finally, it was through restorative, you know, practices and, and conversations and circles and, um, you know, in those kinds of interventions that, that help the girls get to a point where they were good. And when he saw that happen, he was like, whoa, I need to think about this, you know, more. Um, you know, one of the biggest challenges we had, and you and I have talked about this, is <clears throat> a lot of people make the mistake or think that when you use restorative practices or use that model that there are that there aren't consequences so i remember one of my real early adopters that was real gung-ho um we, we were doing some debriefing and talking about it and and one of his big questions was you know i really appreciate this and it's really working but um and our suspensions are down and all of these things are down but he said you know i keep having my, my teachers are still a little frustrated and, and kids keep coming back and I can't, I can't figure out how to kind of do that. And, and we were talking and I said, well, cause he said, you know, we have the restorative conversation and then they, they, they go out and they do it again. And I said, well, where does the role of kind of accountability and consequence come in? And he said, well, that's the restorative conversation. And I was like, whoa, time out, time out. Let, let's be clear here. Let's make sure we know what we're talking about. And I said, you know, at a very <clears throat> gross level, just because we're using restorative practices doesn't mean we can't suspend kids. That's not, we never said that. What we're saying is we got to make sure that any um, consequences that we apply to kids or to situations has to match what's going on. And we're still going to be suspending kids, but it's probably going to look a little different. And just because you have a conversation doesn't mean you can't still suspend. That might be part, I mean, they might need to be out of school for a couple of days to, to, to get space and to, you know, clear up some of this stuff. And um, I probably had that conversation three or four times and early and once we kind of got over the hump of a restorative conversation is not the same as taking the place of suspension or in-school suspension or some kind of other consequence, um, once the, the administrators sort of were able to, to really embrace that, then we really took off. So I think that's important to note too, is that you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, but what you do need to do is re-examine your system and figure out how restorative practices can fit in your existing system and make it better. Got it. So can you imagine being in any school district or educator position or anything like that and not using restorative practices? Uh, no. Because, you know, as we were talking a little before the tape, I mean, I've, I've been in the district that I'm in now since August, um, had, a, had a board meeting for some strategic planning here a month ago. And one of the things I outlined that we wanted to get back into place or get into place if we haven't been doing it was a, a, a working PBIS model. And then I wanted to introduce restorative practices, which took a little education on my part to educate the board and they were all about it. Um, and, you know, I'm trying to 
figure out sooner rather than later what are the what are those steps that we're going to start implementing so actually um over so next week's my spring break and over spring break i'm putting together an action plan so that our fourth fifth sixth grade can start implementing um classroom circles and and classroom you know culture circles because uh, we've got some bullying that's going on they're small classes um, and we're trying to lay some groundwork to start building those relationships so we can start having some some uh, conversations around around just relationships and developing those those families within our classrooms um, so you know it was something that I was planning to do in the future systematically but the reality is we got to do it like tomorrow and so we're going to figure that out because um, we need it. And, and in talk, you know, it was one of those nice things in talking to staff um, and explaining what I wanted to do. They were like, Ooh, yeah, we could do that. Yeah, we could. Yeah. And so they started looking for stuff. And, you know, when you frame it, it, it just makes so much sense. Um, and everybody always says, well, that's not the way we used to do it. And again, we talk about that. It's like, no. And, and maybe the way we used to do it wasn't that great either, but, but it was what it was. But um, now, you know, making sure you've got buy-in from kids and making sure kids feel valued. And, um, you know, one of the examples I always use with classroom circles and things is, and we're in a very small district. So we're talking, you know, between 10 and 17 kids per grade total. And so we like to talk about how family oriented we are. And I say, well, that's nice. I said, but when we get a new kid coming into school, like, what do, what do you do in your classroom? Like, are you throwing a party? Are you like, what are you doing to bring the kid in? Because the last time I checked, every time a family has a new member, there's a big party, whether it's a birthday, a wedding, somebody does something to celebrate that. And on the, on the, on the other side, when somebody leaves a family, usually not big parties when people die, although big celebrations. Um, but, you know, if somebody's going off to the military or college or graduation, we throw these big parties. And yet when kids leave to go to a new school, you know, it's like, you know, pack your stuff in your backpack. Thanks for playing the game and good luck. And it's like, that's not a family thing to do. And so we talked about what does that look like? And so that's why right after spring break, um, we're going to use it as an opportunity to sort of reground ourselves and really talk about those relationships one with one another uh, over time so that we really can leverage and capitalize on some of those family type relationships. So that's that's really exciting for us. Well, that's awesome. Well, we definitely want to hear um, how your journey goes. You are an, an RJ master, that's for sure. And I think it was, I want to say, 2015, I think when we met, I think it was about six years ago. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds about right. Yeah. Well, I don't have any more gray hair since the time that we met before and, and you have more hair than you had. <laughs> I don't have much more to lose. So <laughs> that's great. Anything else to add Kirk or um, any other thoughts? No, you know, I, I appreciate the opportunity. I appreciate the work you guys have done um, with us and for us. Um, I think it's, it's excellent work. I can't imagine doing it, um, being, being in a building or a district without it. And uh, at least every place I land, it's, it's going to come with me and I'll, uh, it'll be interesting to, to start these classroom circles. I'll, uh, I'll see if I can take a few videos and share them with you because I appreciate what you've done for us and uh, continue to do for me. So I'll share along the way. Thanks.
Oh, that sounds awesome, Kirk. All right. Well, you take care of yourself, buddy, and we'll uh, come back around at you at some point. All right. Okay. All right. Thanks. Yep.